Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. We're currently in our sermon series, Next. The best is yet to come. For the past 20 years of Rolling Hills, we have seen God do more than we could ever imagine. Countless lives have been impacted for eternity. Many have professed their faith through baptism. Adults and children have grown in their faith through discipleship. Campuses have been launched in communities all throughout Middle Tennessee. And the vulnerable and the least have been served throughout the world. God has shown up time and time again, and now we faithfully look ahead to what is next for His church, knowing that it's not about us and our future, but about God and His perfect plan. Our prayer is that this will be a season that we look back on and see as one where God grew and stretched His people in ways He never has before. We're believing we will see restored relationships, miracles happen right before our eyes, radical salvations, and prodigals returning home. We believe for all of this and more. In this series, we're walking through the book of Nehemiah and how God's call on His people in that day is one He still has for us in 2023. May He find us faithful as we step forward, trusting that the best truly is yet to come. So listen in as we jump into what the Lord has for us today. All right. Well, uh, that was awesome. Uh, if that didn't get you excited about what's next, uh, then uh, we can redo it. And um, you can wake up. Maybe coffee will hit by then. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, my name is uh, T. Lusk, and I have the pleasure of serving as the pastor here at uh, Rolling Hills Columbia. If you have your Bibles or maybe you're going to use an app, uh, that, that has the Bible in it, uh, not just a random app, but maybe one that has the Bible in it, that would be good. Uh, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2 uh, as we kind of continue in this series over the next eight weeks, kind of leading up to Thanksgiving, which is it believable that that's right around the corner? Uh, and, and, and then Christmas right after that, that's how it usually happens uh, on the calendar. So uh, you get ready for those things. But this, this series will bring us right up to Thanksgiving as we work through the book of Nehemiah and kind of talk about what's next for Rolling Hills. Uh, and, and just kind of pause before, our, our, I guess our kids have already made it out, but just to kind of celebrate the, what's, what these kids are doing here in this moment to sing with us, but they're going back to the back to kind of as a part of what's next is we know that God's kind of got a new chapter for us when it comes to missions. Uh, And one of the main focuses missionally for us over the past uh, couple years has been really right here at Riverside Elementary. Uh, And so we know that the kind of the God's turned the page on that. And so uh, you'll hear again more about those partnerships that are coming later on, but they're going to go and back in the back with kids ministry and those elementary kids are going to work through, are, are going to create some cards, some thank you cards for all of the teachers and administration here um, at, the, at the school. And so just kind of a thank you and a blessing. And uh, Miss Kaylee and Miss Tiffany worked on a project and they've got, um, I, I, it's, it's a cornucopia of uh, food and, and whatnot for the teachers that's in the teacher's lounge. Uh, it is for the teachers, so don't sneak back there and get any of it. Uh, you have donuts back that way. So, um, but yeah, so we're just kind of closing that book and you can sell it. We'll celebrate and kind of close a little bit on our own here in just a minute, but you can know that that's what our kids are doing uh, in kids ministry as, as they exit uh, to be with us or exit from us this morning. 
Again, Nehemiah chapter 2, and looking at what's next, and uh, you know, to kind of get us on the same page, if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Jeff kind of get us on the start with Nehemiah chapter 1, but what he kind of walked through was this uh, kind of a timeline. I want to go back to that just really quick, the timeline of, where, of what gets us to where we are. And so in uh, 957 B.C., uh, we have the building of the temple. Solomon builds the temple. David wanted to build it. God said, no, you're not the guy, but your son can do it. He provided all the stuff. David got all the stuff together. He builds this temple. It's an incredible temple. By eight, by 587, there's been a split and all this kind of stuff inside the, the, the people of Israel. But by 587, the Babylonians have overthrown the Jewish people in, there in Judea in the southern kingdom. And, and Nebuchadnezzar has led that, that charge. If you think the book of Daniel, like you can kind of see some of those, those people and places in there. The people are exiled and the temple is destroyed. So it's built in 957. By 587, the temple is destroyed. The people are exiled. By 539, Cyrus, the king of Persia, has overthrown Babylon. And now he's, he's sending people back. Zerubbabel comes in 517. In 458, Ezra comes back. And Ezra is a part of bringing the word. Zerubbabel brings, or builds the temple, rebuilds the temple. Ezra comes back and brings God's law. And then Nehemiah comes back. That's where we are today. In 446 B.C., he returns to, Jer to Jerusalem to build a wall. And that's where we got to last week. And, and Nehemiah gets the word in, in the first chapter that the walls in Jerusalem are down. And, and you know, that sounds like you know, just what, that's not a big deal, right? We drive by walls down, these stone walls that were built long ago, and they're down, and nobody seems to care about it. But this was a big deal for him and for the Jewish people. Because the, the wall, I mean, kind of, just kind of going back to what, even what Pastor Jeff kind of talked about, this, it's heartbreaking. And to get us a little bit of a picture of what's going on, it really means that the city is in ruins. It, it's, it's, it's in shambles. It's helpless. And ultimately, it's vulnerable. A city without walls is not really a city at all. It's not a protected city. And in, the, in, in this time, in the, in the Middle East, it's, it's a, this would be a, a catastrophic thing for these people because there's no, there's no protection from outside forces. And so there's something really significant about the walls being down. down. And, and I, I think that to kind of connect for us what it means in the same way is when life feels that way, when we have that conflict in, in our own hearts and it feels like the walls have been broken down. Maybe our marriages, maybe relationships are, are in shambles, or maybe you look at our culture and you realize that things that were maybe you thought were good and healthy, but now they're not good and healthy, and things that make life work well and make the world flourish, and, and they, they seem to be in shambles. And, and, and so you can kind of in some way get a sense of what Nehemiah is thinking when he hears that the walls are down in Jerusalem, because we have places where symbolically the walls seem to be falling down where life seems to be falling down around us. I know in this room, there's plenty of, I've had conversations with individuals where, that you feel that weight of walls being broken down, of your city being in shambles or vulnerable. In the landscape of your own life, maybe friends or, or relationships and maybe work feels broken. Maybe you feel the brokenness again in the culture, those kind of places. And, and you, you can sense the same thing that Nehemiah feels. And he ends chapter 1, Verse 11, he ends that chapter, what we hear is Nehemiah praying to the Lord. And there's nine different prayers in the book of Nehemiah, but this is one of the, this kind of starts, this is where the whole book starts, is him praying after he hears this, he prays, and this is what he says at the end of that chapter. And in chapter one, he says, the, the Lord, or Lord, let your ear be attentive 
to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servant who delights in the revering of your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And this man is the king of Persia, Cyrus, the king of Persia. And he says, give him favor. Give me favor, Lord, in the presence of this man. There's something special that happens right after that as we close chapter 1 in the last part of verse 11 there. Something special that happens significant that I think for us we need to to gather. And and really, so we're going to start in chapter 1, not really chapter 2, and and move forward as we kind of learn a couple things that I think are important from from the end of chapter 1 into chapter 2 about about Nehemiah's movement towards the wall and what happens uh, as as he exits. Uh, this Persia, where he's been in exile for many, many years and goes to Jerusalem. But before we dive into these passages, I want to just stop and ask the Lord to bless the rest of our time together uh, as he has thus far. So just pray with me before we dive into God's word. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for just the, this slice of time. It, it is, honestly, it's felt really long for some of us because we've been, we've been here and we've shown up early and set up in the, and, and we've been around for a long time, and, and, but, but it really is just a small slice of time. As we close the book here at Riverside and move to, uh, move to our new permanent home, God, we just thank you for this moment. And God, I, I love how you kind of just align things. We didn't know what we were, we didn't know that today would be the last day when we settled on Nehemiah and, and, and this, this being where we would be on this, in this chapter. But God, there's so many things that you've put together for this week and next week and the weeks to come that are just so congruent together. And so I'm just so thankful for your sovereignty and your, your providence to put us in this place. And God, I ask you to open our ears and our hearts to hear your word and to be moved by your word. Stir in our hearts faith, greater, deeper faith in you and love for you that would be evident in obedience to you no matter what the cost. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. So the very last words that Nehemiah says in chapter one, and again, the, the chapters are kind of uh, are, are things that, we, that, that were put together later just to kind of help us organize, organize ourselves. But, but the, the, what he says, the very last words there before we move to chapter two is this, I was the cupbearer to the king. The end of, cha- end of chapter one, verse 11, he says, I was a cupbearer to the king. And, and here's what I, I want you to, to be reminded of. I want us to kind of see as we kind of work through this whole thing and understanding kind of this boldness that it takes to follow the Lord and his calling that he's put on our lives is this, that Nehemiah's calling was not separated from his current setting. That Nehemiah's calling was not separated from his current setting. And, and this is what I mean and something that I think that we all need to be reminded of on a regular basis, is that a lot of times what we think that is that if we can just get to the next thing, then, then we can really start being used by God. If we can just get through this season or that season or this circumstances, this whatever, whatever's going on right now, if we can get on the other side of that, then, then God can really use me the way he wants to use me. And I think we forget that God sees the, a bigger picture than we do. I think that we forget that God knows he's sovereign over all things and all places and all times. And sometimes the phrase, sometimes what we need to hear, to, to quote somebody else's phrase, this reality that he never gets the address wrong. That you are where you are because God's put you there for his glory and your good and probably more than likely for the good of others as well. 
That it's not just, you, you are where you are. Now, he may move you to some other place. You are going somewhere, but where you are now is not by accident. He's put you where you are on purpose. For his glory, for your good, and, pro- and for the good of others. And sometimes, I think, again, we just look for that next spot. I'm, I'm guilty of this in my own life. Over and over in the past 20 years of, of pastoring, and it's been more than that now, it's tw- almost Golly, a long time. Let's not talk about that. Of pastoring and different settings, it's always, well, once I get to this, then this. Or once I, once I finish these things, then this. Or once I do this, then it'll be. And, and so I'm always looking for that next thing. But God has us where we are on purpose. It's not by accident. And maybe there is the next thing. Maybe he is going to bring you to another place. But listen, God is, God is ready to use you now where you are. God has a work for you now, where you are in this season, in your current situation, in the current setting that you are, that you're in. He's not waiting to get you to somewhere else before he can use you. His calling is for you right now, where you are today. He may be preparing you for something new, but even in preparing you for something new, in another place, all of it starts where you are today. To being faithful in the place that God has you now. And for Nehemiah, he knows that. Nehemiah, what he does, first thing that he does is is not try to figure out a way to get out and start a new career or start a new job or or figure out, we're going to talk about it a little more in just a second, but he slows down. He knows he's where he's at on purpose. And I just can't help but think that Jeremiah, that the Nehemiah, this, this Jew that's been in exile, I don't know how old he is, but I can't help but think that especially a man who understands what's going on in the temple doesn't know the stories of, the, of those who have gone before him. I, I, I can't help but think that, that maybe he hears in his ears the, the words of Joseph that have been recorded and, and taught to the people from, from, the, from the first five books of the Bible as, as it's kind of been passed down in all of this time where Joseph's test to his brothers who've sold him into slavery and now he's head of, of, of Pharaoh's whatever storehouses and is able to provide for the Israelites in that time and moves them to Egypt to rescue them and set up the next things that God has for them. I can't help but think that he doesn't hear Joseph say, you intended what you intended for harm, God intended for good. It's to accomplish what is now being done and saving many lives. And he can't help but think that maybe for Joseph it was this and maybe, just maybe for Nehemiah, for him in this position that he's in, it's for God's purpose. I can't help but think that, and if you, if you read scriptures chronologically, and again, I invited you at the beginning of, this, beginning of next year, I'm going to work through the whole scripture. My, personally, chronologically, I'd love for you to join me uh, in doing that alongside daily steps and those kind of things. But, but if you read through Nehemiah, congru- like right alongside when Nehemiah is happening, is the book of Esther. And Mordecai says these words to Esther. And later on in the book of Nehemiah, we see Mordecai. And he comes, he's a part of this group that comes back and, and, and is a part of the, the rebuilding of the walls. I can't help but what he, that he hears these words of Mordecai to Esther. And he says, who knows, but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. You see, God knows. God, God's not getting your placement right now by accident. 
Now listen, if you're in a place where there's abuse or there's some kind of, listen, God can even use that, but, but that doesn't mean you need to stay, you need to get out of that kind of place. But otherwise, the job that you're in, the situation you are, you're in with your health, your kids, your, your neighborhood, your, where you are housewives, all of those things, your finances, all of those things, God did not get it wrong. And he wants to use you where you are right now. Even as he's moving you to where he wants you to be. He starts in being faithful to where we are right now. And then secondly, and if you're following along on your worship guide, we're going to skip number two. We're going to go to number three, and then we're going to come back to number two. I put it in the wrong order. That's my fault. Uh, it's, just, it's been a busy week, and I have ADD, and I didn't take my medicine. So third thing is the, the, the second, but the third, whatever, however we get to this, it says this, that Nehemiah's calling leads to careful planning. Nehemiah's calling leads to careful planning. There's a couple places you can see this, his, his carefulness in planning. You can see this a couple places in, in, in verse 1. It is one of those places. It says, in the month of Nisan, Nisan I think is how you say it, in the 20th year, of, or the 12th year of King Artaxerxes, then the wine was brought to him. I took the wine and gave it to the king. And I had not been sad in the presence of, in, in his presence before. So if you do a little bit of just one-to-one, -one, verse 1 of chapter 1 and verse 1 of chapter 2, you get to know the timestamp of where we are. Because he, he starts in, the, in verse 1 of chapter 1, he tells you the month that he's in. It's Keslev. And then in chapter 2, he tells you that it's in Nisan. So that's about four months that separates the time that he heard about the wall being down and this moment where he's about to walk into and we get to see him in front of King Artaxerxes to bring this, this, the, the, this news and ask him to, to let him go to Jerusalem. So there's four months that transpired and, and a lot happens in that time. And, and just based on the timestamp, I believe that, that, that you can tell that he doesn't just go on a tear. He doesn't get all worked up and, and run, to, run down to the, to the wall and start trying to figure, just figuring out how to handle it on his own. It, I, can, I can tell you this for sure because he, it's four months later and he's still in the same place doing the same job that he was doing before. He's planning. And he's praying. And he's being prepared for what's next. I, I, he, he's not like me because I love a good problem. I love a good catastrophe because it, it allows me as an ADD, ADHD person to give all my attention to one thing. I don't have to question what's the most important thing. A good catastrophe, all my executive function gets to go to one thing. It's, it's glorious. I love it. I don't have to sit down with a book and be like, what's the most important things? I think writing here is the most important thing, right? Yeah, if you don't have ADHD, I'm sorry. Um, you don't understand how superpower it is. The, um, but I love a good catastrophe because I get to focus on something very immediate. It's right there in front of me. But for him, he knows that he's got a plan. He can't just walk in to the king's chamber. He can't just go in and say, hey, this is what I need. He's planning. He's making sure that he's ready. He's not procrastinating, waiting to the last minute. He didn't forget about it. He's praying and he's planning. If you continue through these through these. He, through the rest of these verses, we go on to, I, I guess, verse 9. It says, so the king asked me, so he's, he's sad. So the king asked me, why, is your, why does your face look sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid. We're going to come back to that in just a second. But then I said to the king, 
May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? When the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king said to me, what do you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has, been, has found favor in his sight, let him send him to the city of Judea, or Judah, excuse me, where my ancestors are buried, so that I may rebuild it. And the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, and I don't know why, why he tells you that the queen's sitting beside him. I kind of feel like later on he's telling Ezra this because we know Ezra wrote this, this whole history book. I feel like he's telling him that, and he's like, and then the king was like, let him go, right? Or the queen was like, let him go. So it, that, that's just in my imagination that probably didn't happen. But he asked the queen, the king asked, how long will your journey, how long will you journey? How long will your journey take? And when will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, send me, so I set a time. And also I said to him, please, if the king, can I ask for letters? And he asked for letters, and the king gives him letters to, so that he can have safe conduct. And he asked for uh, letters to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he can get timber, so he can rebuild the walls. And he says, because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. And so I went to the governors in these places and gave them the letters and he sent an army, officers and cavalry with me. You could tell that he was planning because he, he, when it was time to, to be able to ask these things, he knew exactly what to ask. He knew exactly what he needed. I don't know, if, again, he's not, he's not like me because I would have had, I'd had like some post-it notes and be like, okay, I think that it's these things that I need to ask for. He knows exactly, he's been waiting for this moment when God would open this door. He didn't know when it would happen, but he's asked God for favor in front of King Artaxerxes, and he knows that in, in time, God will give him this favor, so he's ready at the moment. And when he asks, he answers, and the king grants him those things. You can also see it a little bit later in verses 7, or later on in the passage, verse 11, he says that he goes to Jerusalem and he had been there for three days. And he says that he'd set out during the night with, with few others and he hadn't let nobody else know what was going on. And just him, he kind of toured the city and he took it all in. He observed what was going on. And he's all the time planning, figuring out what's going on. It requires us to, to slow down. Sometimes it, 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 we, we, have, we just need to slow down and know and hear from God and, and ask God, what is it that you desire from me? I, I feel, I sense that you're moving in my heart. But I'm, I, what we kinda, I think sometimes what we, what we do is we want to race ahead in those moments, thinking we're going to miss what God has for us. And listen, sometimes it, it, even, even in those moments we start comparing ourselves to others who maybe it seems like they've gotten ahead of us. And, and, and listen, it's not a race that we're running against somebody else. If it looks like somebody's ahead of you, they're not on your race. You're, they're, they're not running the same race you're running. You're not going to get, God doesn't, God doesn't whisper in your ear, you're missing it, you're missing it, you're missing it, hurry, hurry, hurry. No, God usually says, slow down, I've got it. Be ready to move when I'm telling you to move, but don't get ahead of me. We have, to, we have to spend that time, learn from Nehemiah that there's time planning, there's time to, to consider those things and carefully lay out what's going to happen for us and think about what, what God has next for us and go to him for, for wisdom and so forth. And in verse 10, it brings us to the next thing that I think is important, and these are the two together. 
is this, that uh, Nehemiah chose calling over comfort. Nehemiah chose calling over comfort. And Nehemiah's calling requires courageous action. Nehemiah chose calling over comfort, and Nehemiah's calling requires courageous action. You see it first in verse 10. If you go back to where we were just there at the end of, he's gone now, and he's, he's going to Jerusalem. He arrives, and it says that there's these guys, the Heronites and the Ammonites, and, and there's others that are there, and they don't like that he's shown up. It says that they were, very, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And so Nehemiah, is, he's, he's going to walk into this place and there's going to be conflict already in the very beginning. But he's not surprised by this. He, he's not worried about this. He faces this opposition, this conflict from the very start. But, but long before this moment, he's chosen that he's going, to, he's going to walk in his calling more than in the comfort of his position. I mean, just think about who he is and where he's at. We mentioned this last week that if you're here just to kind of catch up, he's, he is the cupbearer to the king. And, and ultimately what this, a better description of this, he's kind of the prime minister. The role that he has is an extremely important role. I mean, the, the king has to trust this man with his life. He has the ear of the most powerful man on the face of the earth in this moment, King Artaxerxes. He's probably living in a very posh place. As great as it is to live in Columbia and, and, and Spring Hill and wherever, wherever it is, and this is a great place to live, right? He's living in what none of us would ever imagine, in a palace in Persia, in the city of Susa. Beautiful place just north of the Persian Gulf. And you can imagine all of the wealth and all of the things that he has in, 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 at, his, at his fingertips. And for him to say, I need to go to Jerusalem where the city is in shambles. He's already said, I'm going to, I'm going to follow a calling over comfort. And that's not to mention, if the king's not pleased with him, guess what the king does to him? At best, he kills him. Let's just say he doesn't kill him. The city of Susa is in modern-day Iran, where some of the most brutal prisons are in all of the world. Let's just assume that they were not any better then. So if the king doesn't kill him, which may be a, an escape, he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. He's already said, I'm going to take calling over comfort. He's going to go back to the city that's in shambles when he could just send somebody to do this. He has the power to send somebody, but he's not that kind of leader. He knows that God's called him, and he's going to be the one that put his hands to the plow. He's going to be the one that says, hand me a brick to rebuild these walls. He's chosen calling over comfort from the very beginning. And I love it, that, that it's going to take this courageous action for him to get to that place, that this calling takes this courageous action. Because if you go back to verse 2, it's one of my favorite things about this whole passage because I think sometimes we look at these men and, and women that were in, in Scripture and we think that they're just heroes and they never faced any fear. But it says very clearly in verse 2 that he was very much afraid. Have you ever felt afraid? When God's called you to do something that just seems way bigger than you, 
when you know that stepping out is going is to require some things of you, you know that there's going to be saying, courage is not walking in without fear. It's stepping out when there's the greatest fear. And he does. He says that he's very much afraid. I need you to hear it. I need all of us to hear that. Because, listen, all of us are going to face these moments. As we prayed just a second ago, my, my prayer, I've said this multiple times, when we talked about Ezra just a couple weeks ago, I'm say it again today, my prayer is that God stirs in our heart a, a deeper faith in him and a love for him that's, that's evident in obedience to him no matter what the cost. And that obedience to him will cost us. There's going to be times that our obedience to Christ is going to cost us friends, it's going to cost us favor from others, and it's going to require courage to follow him. And it doesn't mean we're not frightened. It means that in the midst of our fright, we take a step anyway. And I, again, I love that he tells us that, but I also love what he does in this moment when the king asks him, what does he want? It says that he falls on his face before the king and he prays this really long prayer and he asks God to bless him right before, no, that's not what it says, is it? It says, and he prayed to the God, and he prayed to the God of heaven and answered the king. How many of y'all have been in those places where you just, man, you're just standing there and you are terrified and you just, you just have to say in your, in your head or maybe just under your breath, God, give me the courage to do what I'm about to do. I've told some of you this before, pretty well every Sunday before I walk up here, I ask the Lord to come back. I'm not joking. That's for real. You can laugh at it, but I'm not joking. I'm like, hey, it's way, they'll experience way more joy by you coming back than me talking. But if you don't, then anoint me to be able to preach your word. Because I'm terrified standing over there. There's, there's been very few times that I've walked up here that I've not been absolutely terrified, begging the Lord to come back. The times that I haven't been terrified, those are times that I'm worried that I really think that I can handle it more than, he, more than I need him. Those moments where we just kind of have to say, God, would you be near me? Would you move? Would you, would you give me the strength to do what I'm about to do when it's a relational conflict maybe that has to happen or, or maybe just you're taking a step out and in faith for students, you're taking that step of faith and you're saying, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what the cost. And, and you just say, God, give me the strength to take this step right here. And then you take the step, and he answered the king. See, listen, he chose calling over comfort, and that calling is going to require for him and for us a courageous action where he steps out. And then we're going to go back or keep going, keep moving forward. It says that um, One of, those, one of those courageous actions for, for us, Alex, we didn't talk about this earlier. Do you have the, do you have the, the JMI video ready to go? Yes? Okay. Um, one of those courageous actions for a lot of us is, is really taking that next step and saying, I'm going to be used by you somewhere that's maybe uncomfortable to me. And maybe it's not just, hey, I'm going to be used by you in a place that's uncomfortable or, or I'm going to give and do that. But, but maybe it's time to say, I'm, I'm, it's time for me to go. 
And so I'm going to show you a video where uh, Pastor Jeff sat down with two of the leaders from JMI and just kind of listen to the stories of what God's doing in these two places in Moldova and Brazil. And then we'll come back to this in a second. Well, I have the privilege to be sitting here with our national directors from Moldova and the Amazon and Sarah and Alina are part of our church family. You know, we started Justice and Mercy International 15 years ago. And who could have ever dreamed or imagine what God was going to do? And we are so excited about what he's done and what he's going to do next. Hey, tell us what's happening in the Amazon, Sarah, and then in Moldova, Alina. First, it's awesome to be here. It's also a blessing to be with Rolling Hills Church family. We feel the love, the continual love and partnership with you guys. And this year was a crazy big year in the Amazon as we had two full conferences after the pandemic and all that we went through. The pastors, we felt like they were back in joy and ministry and encouraged, but also so many mission teams from both um, America and from Brazil. Our children are sponsored. We open libraries, we open schools. We continue to see the people in the jungle praying for help and the Lord continuing to respond to those needs in places that probably you and I will never get to, but these jungle pastors are all over the jungle, bringing the kingdom as we continue to push them forward. I'm very grateful that he continues to hear the Lord continues to respond, and we're a part of that. Elena, you, you've had a lot this year in Moldova, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us kind of what's going on there now. All the programs are running. Jamai uh, continues to help, support, and provide hope for the needy children and teenagers in Moldova. Uh, we started the new school year with over 20 new transitional living kids, uh, teenagers, which is extremely uh, wonderful and fun. Uh, we uh, continue to sponsor kids in the villages, over 70 villages in Moldova, where children receive help monthly and um, they receive the uh, news of uh, salvation and the good news of Jesus. Uh, we started the new program, Youth Development. It has been a great success. Everybody loves it. We have the number of staff growing. We have new transitional living kids who became our colleagues, who became the staff. Uh, we continue to feel the prayers, the love, and the support of Rolling Hills, of GMI, and we're so thankful that you go with us through uh, COVID, pandemic, through war, inflation, everything. Mm. Thank you so much, and we do feel the support and the love daily. We're in a campaign, we're talking about the next 20 years at church and the next mission, and are encouraging everybody to take a next step. You know, what, what are some of the plans that you have coming up next? The Amazon, Jeff, mm. you've and I mean, it's a three million people living within the jungle, and I feel like we never have enough. Mm -hmm. There's always too much for us to do. And we keep talking about the pastor's conference and how that is central and essential. It's because training has allowed the locals to provide a better life, provide God's love, mm -hmm. provide a relationship with Jesus. And so for the next year, uh, we're going from two pastor's conference to a third pastor's conference. Mm -hmm. We had over... 250 leaders being trained in this year and it was already over like it was packed and we couldn't have it anywhere so in may we're adding a new conference we do have libraries on the way more villages that are yet to receive our sponsorship program through the kids it's a truly has been 
a lot, just now a nine-year-old learned how to read in one of our programs because she had no access to school. And those are some of the things that we get to do through our educational programs, as well as our mission teams, but also our jungle pastors are also, are now going on missions with a river church, their local church is going, which has been one of the most biblical things I have seen <laughs> to see a jungle church fulfilling the Great Commission, mm -hmm. as well as our um, transportation pastoral care. Pastors were paddling for two days to get somewhere. We have been able to provide engines for them to get to further places quicker. More children. Yes. More children <laughs> sponsored in the villages, in shelters, mm -hmm. more young people coming to the houses who will mm -hmm. get a chance to become leaders, to become successful, to become independent. Mm -hmm. You know, so we are praying for a uh, continuation of this new program, youth development. We want more houses. We want mm -hmm. uh, community centers in the villages. We're praying for more projects, more ideas. And we pray that God blesses these beginnings. Tell us, how can we be praying for both of you? That we would always be aligned with the Lord, mm -hmm. what he wills for the Amazon, but also for our staff, for mm -hmm. strength, for encouragement, for wisdom and vision, for provision of more people. The Bible tells us to pray for people and it's no joke. We mm -hmm. need more people. We need teams. We need people to come and help us on the ground. And if the Lord is speaking to some of you um, about mm -hmm. how to serve, how to volunteer, everything that you see that is happening with Jeremiah is because some people said yes. Be encouraged to respond in however way the Lord is is calling you to. The jungle needs the Lord. They need Jesus because I'm not there all the time to heal them with mm. the ibuprofen, but the Lord can. Mm. I'm not always there to hug them and to comfort them, but the Lord is. Mm. And so uh, we do pray that this next year will be a year of salvation and mm. redemption. The harvest is ready. Uh -huh. uh, we need more people yeah. for the staff from Moldova, for the courage, mm. for more love, more patience, uh, strength from the Lord, uh, for provision, for help, for unity. Mm -hmm. We want to all be united in this wonderful desire to pursue His kingdom. Well, we want you guys to know that we are praying for you. And uh, we just want to encourage every one of us to take it and next step and maybe going on a mission trip at some point to the Amazon or to Moldova or sponsoring a child, you know, or sponsoring a pastor. I mean, we have JMI reps at all of our campuses. It's Mission Sunday. And so for us, that opportunity that we have as we grow spiritually. And so can I pray for you guys right now? Let's say a prayer right now. Father, thank you for Sarah and for Alina. God, thank you for the hundreds or thousands of pastors and vulnerable children that are in the Amazon, God, that you have called us to minister to. Thank you for the thousands of precious orphan and vulnerable children in Moldova, the transitional homes. God, I pray for Sarah and Alina, give them wisdom, God. Just give them a real sense of your presence with them. Protect them, God. And Lord, I pray that we all stay in the center of your will. Thank you for what you're doing at Rolling Hills and JMI. And God, we give you our lives and we give you what's next. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. band comes up, uh, you're following along in your worship guide. Um, if you're following along in your worship guide, the, that last blank is this, that Nehemiah's courage leads to a deeper confidence in God's presence, leads to a deeper confidence in God's presence and his provision. His courage leads to a deeper confidence in God's presence and his provision.
And I think it's, it's important for us to realize that in, in those moments where he, where he steps out, he ultimately, multiple times throughout this chapter, it tells us that he says, he says, the hand of my gracious God was upon me. The hand of God was upon him. And so he sensed God's presence, but he sensed it in the moving. As he was taking that step of action, as he was moving out from where he was and, and following God's lead and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to follow, I'm going to choose calling over comfort, he got to feel God's presence and his provision. And ultimately, as you get to the end of the chapter, as you get to the end of the spot, he says this, he, he comes back and he talks to these guys and he says to them, to the guys after he goes and looks at the, at the area and he, he said, the hand of God is on me. And this, is, and this is what the king has sent me to do. And they replied, the people that he shared with it, this is what God was calling to do. He says, let's start rebuilding. And so they began the good work. I want you to hear this, that, that sometimes our obedience, sometimes our walking in obedience to God's calling spurs on others to walk in obedience to what God has called, us, called them to as well. Dads, you need to hear this. Sometimes what your family is waiting, what God is moving you towards when he's saying, I need you to be obedient. It's so that the rest of your family can walk in obedience too. Students, right now, it may be that God's calling you to walk in obedience because he's also, you've got friends that are watching you and you walking in obedience is gonna stir in their hearts to walk in obedience to God as well. Moms, dad, this all, listen, maybe at work, it's you standing up and walking in obedience because it's going to stir others to walk in obedience as well and say, yes, it's time to rebuild this wall. Let's get to the work. And even in the midst of that, again, just in him sensing that presence and knowing God's, knowing God's provision and power, ultimately he rests on God to be the one who, who fulfills what he's called him to because he sees that conflict again and they come after him and he says, listen, it's God who's going to give us success, not you. It's God who's going to be the one who gives us success. If we're going to be successful, it's because we're following him. And he's the one who's in charge of that success, not us. Our measuring sticks are broke if we're going to measure success. It's him that gives us success because obedience to him is success. And so he's called us to follow him in that way. And maybe for you this morning, it's just making that next step of maybe you need, to, maybe you need to, to take a step and find a community group. Maybe you need to take that step and, and figure out whether or not this is your church and st- figure, out, figure out what partnership looks like. Maybe it's the step of baptism. Maybe it's the step of salvation. Maybe it's the step to say, I'm going to go on a, go on a, a, a mission trip and you're going to talk to Kara Bidwell in the, in the gallery as you exit because you know that God's called you to do that. And your obedience is going to move other people to be obedient as well. Your obedience is going to transform lives. And God's the one who you've got to rest in for the success because it's obedience to him is what he's called you to. We're going to sing this song just kind of as a closing, and it's, it really is it's called the commissioning. And as we move from here, from this place, and, and we believe that God has provided this place and he's provided this next place for us, what we know is that we're not done celebrating and lifting up the name of Jesus. And we're not done proclaiming the good of the gospel that transforms lives. And so as we sing this, as this song is sung over you, and so I'm kind of just let this be a song that's sung over you. Just be, let it be a reminder that God's calling for us is to proclaim his good news to the neighborhoods and the nations. 
And let this be our commissioning as this song is sung over us. And then we got a couple things we want to come back and share with you this evening before we exit. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.